Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roto Experts Fan Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the podcast, we are continuing our series of fantasy football teams, going through every team in the NFL from a fantasy football perspective. And in this episode of the podcast, we are going to be covering the Dallas Cowboys. Before we get into Dallas, however, we do need to tell you about our NFL 3-6 podcast. NFL 365 package that is going on at rotoexperts.com. That is the season-long fantasy football, best ball, and betting package that can be found under the Sports Grid Network associated with Daily Roto and rotoexperts.com. The package is $39.99 and can be had $5 off with the promo code MATTIC, M-A-T-T-K. And, uh, you know, it features our expert projections, rankings, customizable cheat sheets, premium content, dynasty rank, best ball tools. You get all of that for 365 days. That's why it's called NFL 5. And you can, again, get that uh, 10% off using the promo code MATIC, M-A-T. Now let's get into the Dallas Cowboys offense, starting at quarterback with Dak Prescott. He will be, of course, the starting quarterback for Dallas. And I'll be honest, I don't see any chance of him getting benched throughout the year. He is one of the quarterbacks that is just sort of, unless he gets injured, he's just going to be in there. kind of doesn't matter if he plays bad. He's not getting benched. Rush, Mike White, or Tarn Christian, who is likely not to make the final 90-man roster. Dak Prescott has finished with exactly six rushing touchdowns for each of the last three seasons. He had 75 rushing attempts, 305 rushing yards last season, and has also been a top 12 fantasy quarterback every single year of his career, uh, quarterback 6 and quarterback 11 in 2017, and quarterback 10 last year, finishing inside the top 70 fan every year of his as well, and he's done all of this despite never having thrown for more than 4,000 yards, 23, 22, and 22 pass attempts, and uh, here... And, you know, I I think that there is a ton of room for ceiling for Dak Prescott this year. Uh, This is the best pass catchers that he's ever played with. The team traded for Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is now playing in his second year. Randall Cobb is the slot wide receiver. Veteran Jason Witten at tight end. Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz rotating as the backup tight ends. And pretty good pass catching backs in Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Uh, And, but the most important input in all of this is the new offensive coordinator in Dallas. Instead of Scott Linehan calling the plays, Kellen Moore is going to be the primary architect of the offense. And everything coming out of Cowboys camp right now is essentially saying Kellen Moore is going to approach this offense in a lot different of a way than Scott Linehan did. Linehan ran a lot of, you know, very uncreative route concepts, really focused on a lot of slant routes, a lot of curl routes, you know, just sort of very basic route tree concepts, not a ton of options option routes, which Amari Cooper is really good at, really successful at. And really, it was just a vanilla offense. You know, Dak didn't throw the ball down the field very much. Only 526 passing attempts last year. The team ran the ball 439 times. So there's definitely ceiling with Dak from a passing perspective because I think the weapons are so good. You know, he only got to play with Amari Cooper for nine games last. Those games resulted in six touchdowns and seven yards for Amari Cooper. But I think that 
that there's a big a big room for improvement for the Dallas passing game. And I don't even think Dak really has to play all that much better. I think that if you just extrapolate his 67% completion rating from last season, uh, you know, a very similar yards per attempt of 7.4, which isn't even great, but it's good enough. I think you can start to paint yourself the picture of uh, a pretty clear quarterback one because Dak is going to remain a rusher. It's not like they're going to take rushing attempts away from Dak Prescott. And we've also seen with uh, historical results from Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Dak scoring rushing touchdowns is not going to keep Zeke from scoring touchdowns. He scored nine touchdowns each of the last two seasons, scored 16 touchdowns his rookie season, but that was also in a year where Dak had only 459 passing attempts, but still six rushing touchdowns. In fact, sort of sort of weird. Dak ran for exactly 57 rush attempts in both his rookie year and his second season and six rushing attempts in both years. So Dak, he offers a little bit of rushing floor. You know, we can probably pencil him in for between 280 and 320 rushing yards. So see right in his median range of outcomes. And even if he only scores four rushing touchdowns, that's a pretty big boost to his fantasy floor. So where we're looking at a ceiling perspective for Dak pretty much entirely comes from his arm. We know he's going to be right around quarterback 12, but if he has a very good passing season, you know, throws for 4,400 yards and 30 touchdowns instead of 30, you know, 3,824, which is sort of like his median uh, projection, all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who might be quarterback seven instead of quarterback 12. And that is definitely an upside that I am buying into. I think that if this offense is as creative and explosive as everyone says it is, you know, there's uh, Dan Orlovsky went to Cowboys OTAs and was sort of blown away with the concepts that he saw the Cowboys running. And I'm, I'm really on board with that. I do think that Dak has a ceiling that the previous coaching staff was not able to. They, they just were not able to pull that out of him. And I think that if Kellen Moore has sat on the sidelines and watched what works and watched what doesn't work, uh, doesn't work rather, I think that uh, there's a lot of potential for Dak Prescott. He's a guy that I've taken a lot in these play draft best ball championship drafts. You know, we talk about Lamar Jackson. Jackson. We talk about Josh Allen as these really high upside later round picks, but I think we have to include Dak in that range as well. Like Dak definitely has more of a fantasy ceiling than someone like Tom Brady or Philip Rivers or Matthew Stafford, Andy Dalton. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Marcus Mariota's like 90th percentile outcome is better than Dak's because Mariota could always become the runner that we saw him in college rookie in the NFL. But I, I definitely like Dak's like 75th percentile outcome way more than pretty much all of those quarterbacks, the backups, Cooper Rush, Mike White, nothing really much there. I don't think I don't think that these are guys to hold and even deep dynasty leagues, you know, not particularly interested in them at all. Moving to the running back position, uh, what more can be said about Ezekiel Elliott? He has led the league in rushing in two of his years in the NFL, his rookie year and last season. He did not lead the league in rushing in 2017 due to missing six games, but he did lead the league in rushing yards per game. He had the most touch of anyone in the NFL last season. In fact, even more than Christian McCaffrey, despite McCaffrey playing more snaps, and had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage last year, had 95 targets in the passing game, 77 reception. Uh, I don't really think that those are outlier numbers. I think that Ezekiel Elliott is pretty much very similar to Saquon Barkley, very similar to Christian McCaffrey. He is pretty clearly the workhouse workhorse running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I guess we should discuss his holdout a little bit. 
I don't think that this is going to be a Le'Veon Bell, Melvin Gordon situation. The Cowboys seem like a team that is very likely to pay their former first-round draft pick running back. Uh, they plan on using him. They, they they know that Ezekiel Elliott is a key part of the team, even if we as super-educated fantasy football people might say, you know, running backs don't matter. That's just not the way that the Dallas Cowboys conceive of the position. They, they, they will either come to an understanding with Elliott or they will just pay his demands. I, I do not think that Elliott it is a similar holdout risk to Melvin Gordon or to Le'Veon Bell last season just due to the way that the organization is run. So Elliott, I, I've taken him first overall sometimes. I've taken him third overall sometimes. I, he's a guy that I like to get in my mix. And really, when it comes down to my final set of rankings, I might actually end up putting him ahead of Saquon Bar just because I do think Dallas is going to be a good team. I believe in this offense. And, you know, all the, all the workhorse things that we say about Saquon Barkley, these really do go for Ezekiel Elliott as well. You know, 95 targets compared to 121 targets for Barkley last year, but, you know, Elliott had more rushing attempts, Elliott had more rushing yards, and he's definitely ran bad on touchdowns each of the last two seasons to only have nine touchdowns with 268 and 381 targets, you know, compared to his rookie year, 354 touches and 16 total touchdowns, including 15 on the ground. Like, that certainly is, like, his 80th percentile outcome, and I don't think it's absurd to expect something like that to happen again. So, Elliott, to me, has a pretty legitimate argument for best overall player in fantasy football and, and I'm kind of as I'm doing this I'm kind of talking myself into him being better than Saquon Barkley just because I think Dallas will be a better football talking about the backup running back situation Tony Pollard and Mike Weber are probably going to be the primary backup running backs Darius Jackson uh, was not super impressive in his limited time playing in the past he's not a guy that I view as like a long-term solution at, uh, at the backup running back position Position. I believe, yeah, he only had six carries in the regular season last. It's sort of like a long-term practice squad kind of guy. Nothing big, but the team did spend draft picks on Tony Pollard, and then I believe that Mike Weber was an undrafted free agent. Or actually, no, he was a seventh-round draft pick. So one issue with Weber was that he did get hurt during rookie minicamp. He, he hurt his knee, and so that allowed Tony Pollard to play a little bit more than him. But Pollard actually makes more sense on this roster than Mike Weber does because he offers something different than Ezekiel Elliott. He's six feet tall, 210 pounds, and he's just sort of, he, he's fast, right? He was the number 128th overall pick. Uh, he had 104 catches and average 12.4 yards per reception in college with 6.8 yards per carry, ran a 4.4240, and he actually shared a backfield with Daryl Henderson, the third round pick that the Los Angeles Rams traded up for, and he actually tied a FBS record and by bringing back seven kick returns for touchdowns. So one of the things we know is that kick return and punt return stats have the ability to translate into future NFL production. That certainly seems to be the case for Pollard for me. I think something that the Cowboys want to do, and they they, they showed this by the signing of Tavon Austin last year before he got hurt, was they want sort of a, a third down back slot wide receiver hybrid, a guy who has the ability 
to get the ball in the rushing game and in the receiving game, be their primary sort of jet motion guy. Kind of, kind of, you know, the the old the old adage of the offensive weapon. You know, the Dexter McCluster, the Devin Hester sort of guy. And uh, Cowboys Cowboys executive vice president Stephen Jones said running back Tony Pollard could get 30 plays in a game. So this is obviously the same dumbass sort of proclamation. Uh, you know, Tavon Austin 12 to 24 touches in a game. Like you know, Tavon Austin he barely played. He wasn't really on the field. I think Pollard probably should be a favorite to see over 80 touches this year. And he's actually a guy that I draft a lot in the last round of play draft best balls, because I assume that he'll have a couple, you know, sort of long plays, long touchdowns, sort of outcomes in the NFL. And so he's like a good best ball player. But I also think that he has a decent chance to just winning the outright backup job to Ezekiel Elliott, because Mike Weber is not a special player. Darius Jackson is not really a special player. I don't think that uh, you know, this guy Jordan Chun seems to be a particularly special player. Uh, you know, an undrafted free agent out of Troy. You know, it's just not the sort of guy who you view as a long-term backup to your star running back. Whereas I think Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott could be, you know, a you know an 80-20 type of split, the the thunder and lightning. And Pollard is just a guy who production models kind of liked, uh, athleticism models kind of like in terms of prospecting. And I think Dallas was a good landing spot for him. So Tony Pollard, definitely a guy that I am overweight on in draft best balls and a guy that I will be drafting in weekly management leagues because... Uh, you know, any sort of holdout or injury situation to Elliott definitely does benefit him. And as as you guys have probably already understood listening to this podcast, I'm definitely buying what Kellen Moore can do with a super talented offense, right? I think Dak is good. I think Elliott's very good. The Dallas offensive line is sort of uh, the stuff of a legend. These are all just very good offensive lines. So the, definitely in on all of those position players. Also, I guess I should I should mention if we're talking about that, Jameez Olawale is one of the better fullbacks in the NFL has the ability to catch the ball a little bit, move around, you know, and you guys are probably bleeding through a little bit of my former Dallas Cowboys homerism here. And I, I promise I'm not really a Dallas Cowboys homer, but I do, I do sort of over overall kind of like the, uh, the team moving on to the wide receiver group, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Randall Cobb are going to be the starting personnel grouping in, uh, 11 personnel. I think that Cobb and Tavon Austin and Lance Lenore probably will rotate a little bit. Noah Brown is going to get some red zone snaps, but the the real primary guys here are Amari Cooper and Gallup because Dallas will play some 12 personnel. They'll have Witten and Jarwin both on the field, but that doesn't mean that Cobb is not going to play. So these are actually two of my biggest positions in play draft best ball leagues. So we're removing 87 targets for Cole Beasley, 35 targets for Alan Hearns, 32 targets for Jeff Swaim, 20 targets for Deontay Thompson, 12 targets for Rod Smith, and uh, so what you're getting here is out of 15, 517 targets, you're getting like a decent portion of those removed. You know, Amari Cooper was only on the field for nine games. Michael Gallup only started eight games. Hearns was really starting and playing over him before the same as Deontay Thompson. And for what it's worth, I, I really did like Michael Gallup as a prospect. I think that he is the exact sort of guy you 
you would want to play with Amari Cooper. He's best in sort of a complementary role. I don't think that Michael Gallup is ever going to be a... He's not going to be a wide receiver one, right? This guy is not Julio Jones, but I think there is there's some like Anquan Boldnish kind of potential with him where 120 targets a year, eight touchdowns, uh, 950 yards is like sort of a reasonable Robin outcome to Amari Cooper's Batman. And it's sort of funny, Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper are not even that far away in age. Michael Gallup was an older prospect because he started out playing at Butler Community College before transferring to Colorado State and having a really productive career there. And Amari Cooper is actually only 25 years old. You know, age 25 and age 23 seasons for these two guys. So a really young offense in Dallas. So Gallup is being drafted at like his ADP is like around 140 overall. I, I'm pretty cool taking him around earlier than that, especially in draft best balls or FFPC best balls where I already have Dak Prescott because I think Gallup, due to the overwhelming volume that I expect Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper to have, he's probably going to be more of like a, a sort of boom-bust kind of guy. But Gallup had a, a pretty interesting rookie season. Nine targets against Philadelphia, seven targets in Week 12 against New Orleans, and then three games of six targets and then five target games against Detroit and Atlanta. What you'll notice is that his catch rate and his efficiency was basically horrible. And I think it's easy to blame that on Dak. I think that's easy to blame that on Gallup. My explanation for that would be first, a really, really non-creative offense run by Scott Linehan. He was not designing plays for Michael Gallup to catch the ball open. He was in a lot of contested catch situations. And while the poor efficiency, I don't want to just explain it away and say, oh, well, he's a rookie. Things happen. Like certainly there were ways that Gallup could have played better, but I don't want to write him off based on who he was as a prospect and the draft equity that the Cowboys invested in him. So Gallup is a guy, uh, you know, 81st overall is is a real pick, right? Like there are there are rookie wide receivers who were drafted later than that who are being drafted in redraft leagues this year. So so Gallup is definitely a guy that I'm comfortable investing in. Amari Cooper uh, might as well just put a rocket ship behind his name. Uh, just a guy that I really do believe in. Uh, I know that everyone wants to tout their fantasy points per game statistics and how, oh, he gets 50% of his fantasy production in three games. Well, first of all, to me, that indicates a player who has a ceiling, and ceiling is one of the most important things that we're going to be drafting for, especially if we're trying to win a million dollars on draft. Even if you're just trying to win your seasonal redraft league, you should want guys who have the ability to put up crazy games. You should want guys who have the ability to go, you know, nine catches for uh, 173 yards and three touchdowns. You know, last year, um, there, he had crazy games for Dallas. He had uh, 10 catches for 217 yards and three touchdowns against Philadelphia. He had 15 targets, 173 yards, and a touchdown for uh, Oakland in the past. Uh, the, the the Washington game on Thanksgiving last year, 180 yards and two touchdowns. Like Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott definitely have some chemistry. There's definitely a fit in this offense. I mean, how many times have we saw great Des Bryant seasons in the Dallas Cowboys offense with Jason Garrett as the head coach. And I, I mean, as I've continually referenced, I expect things to be better and a little bit more efficient in the Dallas Cowboys offense this year. One of the things I am most looking forward to is continued use of play action. We know that linebackers, uh, 
in general, they're just sort of helpless. Safeties are just sort of helpless against the play action. When that play action is being ran to Ezekiel Elliott, my expectation would be that the bite lasts, you know, a millisecond longer, a half second longer when Ezekiel Elliott is the running back and, uh, you know, not Chris Carson or whomever. So arrows up on uh, Amari Cooper, arrows up on Michael Gallup, and Randall Cobb, you know, not a guy who was good last year, guy who struggled with a lot of injuries, but we've seen Cole Beasley have decent seasons in this same slot role for Dallas. We know that Dak Prescott probably does need a safety valve. That was one of the reasons that they brought Jason Witten back. Cobb has not been a particularly fantasy football relevant player since around 2015, where he played 16 games, had 100 targets. Really disappointing year for him last year, only 6.3 yards per target in nine games for Green Bay, only 7.1 yards per target in 2017 for Green Bay. Hasn't scored double-digit touchdowns since 2014. However, I think that Randall Cobb, if healthy, is probably a more dynamic version of Cole Beasley. Probably, you know, just a little faster, uh, a little bit better down the field than Beasley ever was. And he's a guy that I do take. Uh, You know, I will take Randall Cobb in the 18th round of play draft best balls. Uh, And a lot of the times I do Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, and Randall Cobb because I'm assuming that if there generally are going to be games where Dallas's passing game is exploding, that probably means that Cobb is going to be on the field because that probably means 11 personnel. And if Dak is having four touchdown games, he's probably not throwing all four to Amari Cooper and investing a third round pick, an 11th round pick and a 13th round pick all in one offense, especially if we don't expect that offense to be top five in the NFL, which Dallas probably won't be, even if I think their 90th percentile outcome could get there. But investing that all is a little much. So it's just a little bit cheaper to go uh, Cooper, Prescott and Cobb. Finally, moving to the tight end position, Jason Witten, Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz, uh, and then Rico Gathers is suspended for a few games. Probably will not see him much on the field this year, although he is only suspended for one game due to violating the league's substance abuse policy, but I don't even know if he would make the team because of Witten's return. So we've heard a couple different things about Jason Witten. He was pretty much an every down player the last time that we saw him, but Dak Prescott has said he hasn't lost a step from his one-year retirement. Jerry Jones has said that Jason Jason Witten won't be a bit in the offense. However, the beat writers around the team, uh, Clarence Hill reported, basically Jason Witten is going to play 25 snaps a game, uh, sort of like Antonio Gates, who averaged 23 snaps a game in his last season. However, he's getting played, he's getting paid a lot of money. $3.5 million for uh, a tight end is pretty good money. And I don't know if it's possible that Jason Witten's going to go out there and see you less than than 60 pass receptions again you know the the Dallas Cowboys passing offense outside of Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott is just super cheap so taking darts on these guys is I think pretty good as long as you're buying the philosophy that this team is going to be decent on offense now if you think that they are going to be Tennessee Titans-esque on offense and that Kellen Moore hasn't discovered any secret sauce and that it's going to be very similar to what was happening under Linehan you'd probably want to limit your exposure to these guys I, I kind of don't buy that argument, but also I'm sort of expecting this offense to be much more concentrated in volume than in years past. What we saw with Dallas last year was a lot of games where random guys were getting random targets. They had no one over 100 targets, but they had uh, 10 guys with 12 or more targets, and that sort of is not a great recipe for fantasy football success just because that production is so spread out. I think it's much more likely that Cooper comes in at 130 targets, Gallup at closer to like 100 
100 or 95. Randall Cobb closer to 75 to 65 maybe. And then, you know, kind of after that, maybe a random distribution on who wins out between Jarwin, Witten, and Tony Pollard as like that fifth guy. But I think the the pecking order in terms of Elliott, Cooper, and uh, Elliot Cooper and Gallup is is pretty well set in stone. So Jason Witten, another guy, uh, especially when pairing with Dak Prescott around, I think you can kind of flip a coin between Randall Cobb and Jason Witten. So pretty interesting stuff there. As you can tell, I put a lot of thought into the Dallas Cowboys offense and how things are going to be under Kellen Moore. They're definitely going to be a team that I watch super closely in preseason to see if they show us anything sort of fun or cool, or if they just run kind of their vanilla stuff past. But that is going to do it for our Dallas Cowboys fantasy football preview here at the Roto Experts Fantasy Football Podcast. Please make sure to check out rotoexperts.com and our NFL 365 package. Access to a really solid projections, rankings, customizable cheat sheets, our ultimate guide to zero RB drafting, our ultimate guide to winning draft best ball leagues, and much more premium content, best ball tools, all sorts of stuff that you can use to win money in fantasy football. 